welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 15. Sorry, Luke chapter 10. I'm going to read from verse 25 from the message. And it says this, just then a religious scholar stood up with a question to test Jesus. Mistake number one, don't try and test Jesus. You're not going to win, Chris. (laughs) Teacher, what do I need to get eternal life? He answered, what's written in God's law? How do you interpret it? He said, that you should love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and muscle and intelligence and that you love your neighbour as well as you do yourself. Good answer, said Jesus. Do it and you will live. Looking for a loophole, Chris asked. Looking for a loophole, he asked. (laughs) And just how would you define neighbour? Jesus answered by telling a story. When Jesus tells stories, you're in trouble. There was once a man travelling from Jerusalem to Jericho. On the way, he was attacked by robbers. They took his clothes, beat him up, And went off, leaving him half dead. Luckily, a priest went on his way down the same road. Luckily. But when he saw him, he angled across the other side. Then a Levite religious man showed up. He also avoided the injured man. A Samaritan travelling the road came to him. When he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him and he gave him first aid, disinfecting and bandaging his wounds. Then he lifted him onto his donkey and led him to an inn and made him comfortable. In the morning, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take good care of him. If it costs any more, put it on my bill. I'll pay you on my way back. What do you think? Which of the three became a neighbour to this man attacked by robbers? The one who treated him kindly, the religious scholar responded. And Jesus said, Go and do likewise. You ever heard this story before? 
Many people would call this story the Good Samaritan. Is that how you know this story? The Good Samaritan. It can also be called the not-so-good priest and Levite. We could contemporise it and call it the good Muslim. Could quite easily. Because Jesus had a way of putting people in his story that would cause offence to religious people. To get your attention. And some of you are thinking, Jesus wouldn't actually say Muslim, would he? Well, what you've got to understand about the Samaritan people is that they were like dogs to the Jews. And Jesus knew that, and that's why he put this little character in the story. Just to get them really annoyed. I've changed the title, and I've simply called it this. Don't leave it to Samaritans. I think that was the point of what Jesus was trying to say in telling the story. On Twitter recently, I read this tweet from a friend of mine and he said this, let's not overcomplicate the church. If we love God and people, we'll be fulfilling the two greatest commandments. It's a great place to start and end. As Chris has pointed out, I'm going to be away for three weeks. And I wanted to leave this in your minds as a parting message because I want us to take seriously the Great Commission. I want us to make the most of the opportunities that are presented to us every day. And that's why Jesus told this story to activate and to mobilise religious, staid, boring people. And I want us to be mobilized and motivated in my absence. As we are tracking across South Africa and as we are tracking across Madagascar and then back in South Africa again, I trust that you'll be doing a similar thing, different part of the world, but that you'll be using the mo- every opportunity that comes your way. And I want to use the Samaritan in this story to highlight a few things this morning. And the first thing I want to highlight is simply this, that this Samaritan... This man, in this story, went beyond comfort. Everyone say, beyond comfort. We read in this story that his heart went out to this man that had been beaten up and robbed. In other words, he had compassion on him. And that's where everything starts, by having compassion on people. It starts with us being a compassionate people. See, comfort, okay, is all about me, myself, and I. We've got to turn comfort into compassion. When the priest walked by, and when the Levite walked by, they did that thing, and maybe many of you have been guilty of that. Have you ever been in a shopping center where you see someone you don't want to really talk to, and you do the look away? Have you ever done that? You're walking down here and all of a sudden you see someone and you just duck into this shop. Because you don't want to talk to that person. That look away, that duck into a shop, that can get you in trouble. Because you don't know what shop you're going to end in. But this man 
the priest and the Levite, they did the look away. They did the, you know, kind of, I, I see him, but I'm going to pretend like I don't see him. I'm going to shut my eyes and start praising God and just worshipping. <laughs> or I'm going to just get my iPhone out and start playing with it. Oh, I didn't see you. And every time we do the look away or the glance at the phone or the let's pretend we're praying, we're not fooling anyone but ourselves. Have you ever seen someone do the look away? Have you ever noticed when someone does see you and they do the, the bolt? They didn't fool you. How much more God? Have you ever had that happen to you? You see someone coming towards you and they bolt? As if they, they say, oh, I didn't see you. Like, yes, you did, you liar. <laughs> you ever had that? I, I, I've been on the receiving end of the look away and they're the ducking over here and I say, hi. And I make a way of going into that shop. <laughs> hi. Oh, didn't see you. <laughs> yes, you did. You saw me, looked away and jumped in this shop. You don't even want to be in this shop right now. And if we don't fool people, how much less are we going to fool God? See, the priest and the Levite in this story made it all about their comfort and their time and their money and their convenience. You see, for the Levite or priest to touch this person, I mean, he could be dead. And, and, and if a priest touches a dead body, then he's got to go through the ceremonial cleaning. And that's going to waste another week and, and he's going to waste time. And so the look away is more con convenient on our time and finances. But it's not why God left us here. God has not left us here to do the great look away, but to fulfill the great commission. And that's to have compassion on people. The man in this story, the, the Samaritan, he actually was moved in his heart. And before we do anything with our hands, it has to start in our hearts. We have to be moved with compassion. And compassion is all about others. You know, I'm going to have a great time while we're away. But this trip that we're doing is not about me. This is about us getting involved in other people's world and, and bringing something that God has given us to help others. And you don't have to wait for the call to go to South Africa. You've got neighbours, you've got friends, you've got people you meet in the shopping malls and in the streets. You've got people that you're going to see tomorrow. But whether your heart breaks when you see them, that's a whole other story. And so if we're going to be effective like the Samaritan in this story, it has to start with compassion. Jesus had compassion. And that's what made him so effective. I think uh, this morning I mentioned about the visit that Kath had to our accountant. And he was looking at our finances and looking at our age and saying, hey, this is all good. You've had a great start to life. But I would be encouraging you to get another property, another two properties, another three properties, to think of your future, which in and of itself isn't unwise and isn't wrong. But when we're so concerned about our future that we don't stop and help others, I think God takes exception to that. And we can have one home, we can have two homes, and all of our money can be tied up as we build for our future. And then when there's opportunities to give to a building fund, or opportunities to help some poor guy that's been beaten up by robbers and is found on the side of the road, we just we say, oh, I'd love to give, I just don't have any money. All my money's tied up. Well, maybe God is saying, sell your home. 
That's what made the early church so powerful. We read in Acts chapter 4 that people would come and give the proceeds of the property they sold because they realised that while their future was important, there was also a very real application to the Word of God in the here and now. And so here they are, and here we are, faced with this dilemma. What is wisdom for preparing for our future versus the harsh reality of the here and now? And that's why we need God, and that's why we need to find wisdom on those things. But I do not want the wisdom to be the voice of my accountant only. I want God to speak. And I think God has already spoken and it's helped others. And if our, if our planning for the future has stretched us so much that we can't help others, then we are just too indebted to our future. If you can't have another home, without being generous and honouring the principles in the Word of God, you probably shouldn't have that other home or that investment or whatever it is. Does that make sense? Because there's opportunities that I believe we're going to be held accountable to and for if we don't take the most of them right here now. Jesus had compassion on people. In Mark chapter 6, verse 34, it says, Jesus saw the large crowd and he had compassion on them. And this Samaritan had compassion on this particular man that had found himself in the hand of robbers and laying on the side of the road. It's not new stuff tonight. But it's what we do with what we know that brings the power. It's the application of the word that I want to get into us tonight. What else can we learn from this man's life? Well, secondly, he went beyond... Friends. Everyone say beyond friends. You see, this man that found himself on the side of the road was a stranger to the Samaritan. He didn't know him. He'd never seen him before. And the thing I draw from this is this, that we must go beyond our friendship circles. If we're going to be part of the answer, instead of just adding to the problem. I believe that you and I miss out on many opportunities because we just stick to our friends. And some of us have spent 20 years reaching out to our friends, to our workmates. And nothing changes. And we spend all of our time with people we think will say yes. Have you ever found yourself saying, oh, that, that, this couple, they make such great Christians. Which means we think there are people out there that wouldn't make good Christians. Jesus told another story on one occasion. And he says, what do you think? There, were two men, there was a man who had two sons. And he went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. And he said, I will not. I won't go and work. But he changed his mind and ended up going. And then he had another son who said, yeah, dad, I'm going to do that. I will do it. But he didn't actually do anything. And Jesus said, which one of the sons do you think pleased the father? And the answer is the kid who who said no but ended up doing it 
And I think there's a group of people out there that are possibly unknown to us presently, that by their lifestyle, by their language, by the way they dress, are screaming at us, no, I'm not interested in church. I'm not interested in what you've got. But if we would just reach out to them, I think that no could turn into a yes. Sally said very good because she was one of those. Many of you in this room are those ones, I'm never going to church, I hate church, I hate Christians. And you said, but big resounding no, but here you are saying yes. And we spend other times with friends who just seem they're so ripe and they're so ready and they make such good Christians and they've got this lifestyle and the way they dress and the way they talk and they even say grace at dinner time. You know, they make such great Christians and we spend year after year after year with people who seem like they're saying yes, but the whole time they're saying no. And we waste our time. And we're fooled by this yes lifestyle, but no reality. And I want us just to think beyond our friendship circles. I do believe in friendship evangelism. I do believe in reaching out to our friends. That's a whole other message and you've heard me preach similar messages in the past. But we can't just restrict our reaching out to the people that we know. Do you know if we just reach out to the people we know, most of the world will go to hell. Because we don't know most of the world. Our friendship circles are far too small. That's why we have to get out of our friendship circles. Because this is what I'm learning more and more and more is that you can't judge a book by its cover. There are some people that look so disinterested and they're like such a hassle. But you know what? They are hungry. They've got this yes on the inside of them. They've got this, I'd love to come. If only someone would just give me an opportunity. When's the last time you spent some quality time with someone you didn't know. On Friday night, I had the opportunity to hook up with an old friend and go skating. And at the last minute, they pulled out because I had to go to work. And I promised our kids we would go. And now I'm thinking, oh, the very purpose was to hook up with this old friend. So I said to the kids, do you really want to go? We can do something else now. And I said, you know what? Let's just go. And it was an incredible moment for me because as we um, donned the skates, of which I still have my original pair of skates, the very same skates that skated my then girlfriend around the roller rink, who years later I would marry. And as I was skating around, I noticed a few changes since I'd last been there. All the higher skates are brand new. Some of you are like still going, what's roller skating? <laughs> Look at you, like, what's roller skating? Imagine being born instead of feet, but with four wheels. It's like that. And there was new skates. And then they even had some colored lights. Now, this is looking more like the good old days. And then in the corner, lo and behold, gone is the tape recorder, just playing the same old song over and over again. But they've got a DJ. 
And they even had speed skating. For adults, no kids, get them off. But as I was skating around, invariably you've got kids, people about this big, and then you've got some about this big. And the ones that are at this big, I figure, are probably more to my age than the ones that are this big. And so I get talking, because I can see that they can skate. It's not like, they're not, they're not like this. I wouldn't, I wouldn't talk to them, but... <laughs> but there's a number of people just skating around, and I could see that they had some experience. And so I said, oh, where did you used to go skating? Let's say Skate Line or Downtown or Hindmarsh, Roller Drome or Eastwood, all these places. And it was so cool. And at the end of the night, a night that was almost, well, sorry, almost didn't happen because of a cancellation. I was able to get some names and numbers of these guys and just hook up some incredible opportunities just to get outside of my little, little world. And I want to encourage you to get out of your little worlds because there's a big world out there. And I think some of you would come away far more encouraged by spending time with some new people instead of the same old ones who have rejected you over and over and over again. This Samaritan went up to this guy he never knew before. And I want us to do the same. In other words, we've got to stop waiting for divine appointments. I'm tired of us waiting for this red cross that has to be yay big and hover over the person for at least five minutes. For you to know that's the person God wants you to speak to. If we are waiting for that, we will never speak to anyone. We need to stop waiting for a list of who God is expecting. Instead, we need to just remember who God is loving. Not who is God wanting you to speak to, but who is God loving? If we wait for who's God want me to speak to, we're going to miss the point because he's already said, go. But if we could just remember, who is God loving? Because the Bible says he loves the whole world and he's loving us. Because there's something so powerful in just including people in your world. Just taking time out of your busy schedules and just talking to people, including them. And being a part of your busy life. Can I just say this very carefully? I believe that we need to see people not as trophies that we have to convert, but people that we just need to include. The Samaritan just included this guy in his world. The moment he stopped and helped, he was including that man in his life. He was including that man in his day. He was including that man in his finances. There's a power in inclusion. There was no guarantees that he now has to become a Christian because we helped. We do it because it's the least we can do. 
And my last point tonight is simply this. That the Samaritan went beyond words. Say it with me. Beyond words. So he went beyond his comfort. He went beyond his friends. And he went beyond his words. In other words, he didn't just talk the talk, but he walked the walk. He acted. Sometimes we think we are doing everything God wants us to do because we say we love you. We come down the front and we worship and we raise up our hands and we do all these Christian things of which none are wrong. But it's not enough. If that's all we do, we've got to go beyond our words and we've got to start acting. And how did he act? This is what he did. He showed kindness to the man. It's a powerful thing. He just was nice. It'd be great if we had people that profess faith who were just a little bit nicer. Who were just a little bit kinder. Kindness is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. You know that. And if we could just be a little bit more kinder, then I think we'd be a little bit more fruitful and effective. It doesn't take much to impress people. That's what I've learned. I remember back in the day when I was still working as a sign writer, I had my own business and uh, sign writing was kind of like a bit of a dying art. The old school, this is not the stick on stuff, this is the old school. Hey, Simon, old school. And uh, it, never, it never ceased to amaze me how impressed people were by a little thing I used to do after every job. After every job, I would just clean up after myself. Of which I thought was the least I should do because I made the mess in the first place. And I used to get compliments and letters raving about the incredible job that I did, which it was incredible. <laughs> but the thing I believe that spoke to me as much as anything was this little thing of cleaning up after myself. And it's amazing the appreciation and respect you can gain just from doing those little things. If we would be kinder, if we would be nicer, if we would start doing these things, I think people would start liking us. Here's my issue with the church, and I love the church, I'm for the church. But this is the problem we have. Most people don't like us. And I'll be honest with you, I don't like a lot of Christians either. If we are going to be effective and influential, we just need to be a little bit more likable. There's a lot to be said for being likable. This is what I'm convinced of, absolutely convinced of. If people like you, they really like you. I think they'll like this church. I really do. Have you ever found yourself doing something for someone, not because you like what they're going to or what you're going to do, but because you like them? Have you ever found yourself at the football when you'd never go to the football, but you went with a mate you liked? Or the ballet or the opera or whatever it is that you wouldn't normally do? And you go to these things just because you like someone. They ask you and say, oh, I don't really like that, but I like you, so I'll go. Have you ever done that? 
Have you ever gone to a place you wouldn't normally go to, but you did because you liked the person? Then why is it that many of us can't get anyone to church? I think it's because they don't like you. I think the secret behind our success would be just be a little bit more likable. Honestly, if you really can't get anyone to come to church, I think, I think, I think I'm onto something here. I think possibly, just I could be wrong. And I don't want you to, you know, shoot the messenger. But this is something I felt the Lord say to tell you. But ask yourself, if we would go home from this meeting and say, how likable am I? It'd be really good. This would be really, really, really pushing it. For you to have someone who you call a friend and say, how, how, how likable do you think I am? Put it am I more likable or more moody? Am I more likable? Am I more stingy? I'm happy to point some of these things out to you if you want to see me afterwards. <laughs> Trouble is I'm too busy dealing with my own problems. <laughs> but don't you think it's a good question to ask ourselves? How likable are we? You know what? I imagine... As this man that had been beaten up and left for dead on the side of the road, I imagine as he came to, I think he would like the Samaritan. And if he was a Muslim, I think he would like the Muslim. And if he was a Jehovah's Witness, I think he would like the Jehovah. I think he said, I don't care what religion, I don't care, but you saved me. I just like you. If he had funky hair and he was cool and modern or he wasn't and he was daggy, I don't think he'd care. I think he'd say, you know what? I just like you. Because random acts of kindness can make you likable. When's the last time, honestly, you did a random act of kindness? Now, it doesn't have to be buying someone a new car, Oprah style. Most of us, most of us, Know that we'll never be able to do that because we won't be able to afford that. But you know what? You can stand and open a door for someone. You can be in line and see someone who's got four kids and their kids are running around. You, say, you go first. It doesn't have to start with millions of dollars. And I, 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 I don't imagine the woman that's frantically looking after four kids and, and, and you giving her the, the, the rite of passage to go before you. I don't imagine her saying, No. I don't imagine her looking and saying, you're such a wicked man. I think she'll just think, well, that was a nice thing to do. In actual fact, I think intrinsically people know that goodness is attached to godliness. Think going back to what I just shared, imagine. And I've had this shared of myself, and I'm sure many of you had, when you've done a kind act. And you let this lady in front of you say, oh, thank you. You're such an angel. You've heard that said to you? Oh, 
Such an angel. When you did something good. Have you ever done something good and someone said, oh, you're such a demon. (laughs) Oh, the Antichrist. (laughs) Terrible was inside of you. No, people intrinsically know that goodliness, goodness is attached to godliness. We know that. So let's start doing it. There was a survey taken that said people would go to church if they were invited in the right way. Which says a lot. People are out there saying, you know what? If I was invited the right way, I'd come. Which also says that I'm put off by religion. I'm put off by people who who say they're Christian, act like anyone else does, I know, and then try to get me to church. I think there are far more people in our world and in our community that would love this. But they'll probably never get this because they can't get past you and me. Because they have a perception of what religion is and Christianity is. But we can use that in our favour. We've had a number of people recently that have given their lives to Jesus for the very first time, which is really exciting. Really exciting. Had a young man give his life to the Lord last week with his wife, and he was sitting back there somewhere, I saw that hand back there. And this Sunday, he's the second row. And he's just, he's just excited about life. And, and uh, on the same day that he gave his life to the Lord, there was another couple that gave their lives to the Lord. And, and I was talking to him this morning. And he was saying, you know, when I first came to church, I didn't think it was church. So when was it you came? He said, oh, about four weeks ago. First time I've ever been in this church. First time, you know, he said, I, I, I didn't think it was church. I was invited to church. And what I was brought to, I thought I'd been brought to the wrong place. I said, I thought I'd been brought to a concert. But he liked it. He liked it. And because he liked it, and met some people that he liked, it made him just a little bit more open to listening to what you got to say. I think there's a lot of people that would like this. But if we're frantically trying to get them to this, we're going to do more harm than good. Can I just say this in closing as our musicians come, as a thought, and you've got to hear me. And I've got to be really careful with this. But can we stop evangelizing? Because we're doing a really bad job of it. The Great Commission was not to go into all the world and tell them to go into hell unless they come to church. That's not what I read. The Great Commission starts like this, love people. And the way we love people is just be kind. And I think if we would stop trying to get people to church and just love them. And just display that love by random acts of kindness. 
by holding doors open for people. Now that may backfire a couple of times because you know there are some cynical people out there and you want to stand up. And I did this recently, stood up on a bus when I was on holiday and, and, and uh, this woman looked at me like, what are you saying? I said, oh, I'll just sit back down. <laughs> but generally, generally, an act of kindness is going to go a long way. And we can have a laugh and joke tonight because as we laugh and joke, we're thinking of other people. We thought, oh, that's so Jeff Rollins. <laughs> oh, Chris. <laughs> Just, oh, I hope Chris is listening tonight. That's why we laugh because we're thinking of other people. But if we could seriously take some time just to ask ourselves, are we really doing what Jesus said? Or have we added to what Jesus said and created religion for ourselves? Because there was two religious guys that walked past. And they had the robes, they had the clothes, they had the walk, they had the talk. But they didn't have the acts of kindness. And I think God is so committed to people. And so he wants to help people. He'll make sure they get helped. And he's going to give the church the first opportunity to help people. But if we don't take up that opportunity, he'll let somebody else come as long as that person gets help. I think Jesus was saying in this story, I wanted it to be the priest. So I gave him first option. I wanted it to be the Levite because they're the ones that bear my name. But you know what? More than bearing my name, I want to see people helped. And so if people who, won't, who bear my name won't help, I'm going to get someone else to help because people need helping. And if you are here tonight for the first time because you've been invited for, by someone, and you've had a bad religious experience on behalf of the church, I want to apologize. Because I think the church has got it wrong in so many ways. We get so religious so quickly. Most churches are fighting over trying to change colors of their auditoriums because people don't want change. As if that's the Great Commission. And so I want to apologize to you. And as sad and as bad as your past may have been, I want to tell you this and encourage you with this. There, there is a move within the church across this city and across this nation where people love God and love the church, but they've had enough of religion. And they're creating opportunities again to help people. And I, for one, want to be one of those churches. I don't want to be a church that when Tony's away for three weeks, I just won't go. I want to hear of incredible stories in my absence of you inviting friends and those friends just having an incredible encounter with God and life changed and people helped. That's what I want to see. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen and God bless.